Today's podcast is going to be slightly different. Unfortunately, this morning, the audio for uh, the sermon was lost on the USB stick. The file got corrupted, and so we have no audio from this morning's service. <laughs> However, uh, what I am going to do is just give a bit of an overview about what I was speaking on today, particularly for those that were uh, serving in Bay Kids or those that were uh, not at church for whatever reason today. And uh, one of the disciplines, or well, the main discipline that we looked at today was this, uh, the place of silence and solitude in our Christian walk. But just to summarize what we looked at today, the first thing I explored was this idea that actually you can summarize the journey of the Christian uh, with this beautiful idea that, um, that an amazing church called Bridgetown Church, which um, hugely, hugely influenced by, uh, led by an amazing leader called John Mark Comer. And he basically says, you know, the whole goal of the Christian life is to be with Jesus, uh, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. So to be with Jesus is the idea that we've been talking about a lot recently around uh, abiding with him, remaining, having a strong devotional life with Jesus, uh, checking in with Jesus daily. Uh, to become like Jesus is this idea, it's what the old school guys used to call sanctification. We talk about this on our big picture course, but the idea that as we spend time with Jesus, we're transformed from glory to glory. And lastly, to do what Jesus did. So out of being with Jesus and as we get changed to be more like him, increasingly we find ourselves doing what Jesus did, having the same confidence in the power of God, ministering in the things of the Holy Spirit, going to the poor and the lonely and having genuine compassion. We become more and more like him in our actions. And as I've been reflecting over um, my journey of Christianity, which I've been immersed in since day dot, I've heard heaps about the call for us to do what Jesus did. In fact, the majority of sermons, the majority of focus has been on that side of things. Uh, I've heard a little bit, but not heaps, about what it looks like to become like Jesus, uh, particularly around things like the fruit of the Spirit, how to cultivate character. Um, but I've heard almost nothing on on what are the ways that we can be with Jesus um, and I was fortunate when I went to Bible college that uh, we had to choose uh, a major as I did my degree um, at Bible college. And there was different options to study the Pentateuch, which is like the Old Testament or Hebrew, Greeks. And I mean, there's just so many of these different options, but I was just really genuinely wanting to pick the easiest option. And so uh, what I thought was the easiest option was actually the major of looking at spiritual formation, the idea of like how are people formed spiritually and how has the church approached us over the last couple of thousand years and looking at the different streams that there are in terms of practicing the presence of God or being close to Jesus. And so that was incredibly helpful, and I keep going back to a lot of what I learned there. But as I left Bible college and began ministry in my early 20s, uh, I had this real hunger to cultivate a strong devotional life, but no one really showed me how, no one really discipled me in this. Uh, and, you know, again, a lot of the stuff that we're doing now around accountability and around pointing to, to tools, uh, you know, in really, really practical ways, um, just that I just didn't have that, and I'm determined that we build a culture that 
enables people to, to have every chance of growing a very, very strong devotional tool. So in my 20s and early 30s, I've just really fought really hard to find tools and have built practices largely on my own without the help of uh, community cheering me on. Uh, and I've looked to books and people overseas and different things to help cultivate things like Sabbath and silence and solitude and, and learning how to pray and developing the habits of reading the word and overall just slowing down my pace of life. And as that's happened, as I've kind of pursued these um, practices and disciplines, I've discovered incredible life in them. And I'm absolutely convinced that when in John 15, where Jesus says, if you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. And as I've said many times before, predominantly John's looking at the idea of us feeling and experiencing love, joy and peace. Uh, as I've kind of pushed in and leaned into these habits and disciplines, I've found myself experiencing that for myself, which is why I'm so deeply, deeply passionate that we go on this journey as a church. In John 15 verse 8, Jesus says that this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Again, there's this idea that as we uh, cultivate a world that is with Jesus daily, that actually that's what shows us, that proves that we're actually a disciple of Jesus. We're an apprentice of Jesus. We're trying to follow his way. But ultimately, this is to the glory of God that we would bear much fruit, that, that love, joy, and peace that we've been talking about. God is deeply, deeply glorified, which is such a beautiful thought, as that fruit is developed within that. I've been reflecting over the last week or so as we've started the series um, just a battle that's on for our devotional life these days. And I really think we've been hitting a couple of quite major things as we have begun the series. Uh, first is that a lot of us like this idea of change, but actually the outworking of it, that's really, really tough. And, uh, you know, certainly when we start talking in real terms, like here's some practices that we can do that will result in real change. That all of a sudden, when the rubber starts hitting the road, we don't like that. That's a really uh, tough thing to tackle and because it involves dying to ourselves. And that's not a very nice feeling. But we've got this vision for a more beautiful, deep life in Jesus, this resurrection life that we're pursuing. And, uh, and But Jesus himself talked about this in John 15, that as we grow in our devotional life in him, he says there's going to be branches that need to be pruned so that we can grow in a healthy way. And uh, one of the, um, I'm just aware that in our church and for, for people listening that maybe even aren't, are not part of our church, there are some people that maybe don't want to change. And that maybe because, you know, it's like you're just perfectly happy with where things at. Um, you know, Dave Riddell famously says, you know, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And if, you know, some people may be happy with just how things are ticking along. I personally am so hungry for more of Jesus. Um, but there's also a group of people, I think, who are in a bit of survival mode because of what life may have thrown at you. And um, and we just don't have the emotional energy to try and change at the moment. It's actually about just getting through what we're going through. And if that's the case for you at Bay Vineyard or anywhere that you're listening to this, I just pray grace and peace for you in this moment in time that you would just be able to rest in Jesus and don't worry about trying to pursue uh, any more depth or whatever it may be, just at this time, it's probably just about surviving. But for the vast majority of us, I, I hopefully we're in this healthy place where we want more 
Uh, we want more of the life that Jesus promised. We haven't given up on that hope. We haven't lost sight of Jesus' invitation to live life in all of its fullness. And think for most of us, there's this longing to live with deeper joy, with greater peace, and above all, to know increasingly just how loved we are by God, to know his, his beautiful healing, comforting presence in our lives a whole lot more. And so we've been talking a whole lot uh, at church around what it looks like for us to grow and what we need. And the first thing we need if we want to grow is we need a clarity of the goal or the spiritual discipline that we want to institute in our lives. And that's why we're doing this series where we're giving a little bit of a buffet on the different um, spiritual disciplines that you may consider being one of the goals that you have to institute uh, in your life so that you'll grow to greater maturity. And uh, and these disciplines that we're looking at are disciplines that have been central to the church's understanding of what it looks like to be with Jesus for thousands of years. In fact, it's only very recently that we haven't been talking about that stuff. Often I think people, you know, we've had a goal, you know, we really want to have a greater life in Jesus, but it's actually virtually impossible to pull that off on your own. We were never designed to do this on our own. We have always been wired to be in community as we seek to grow together. And so many of us have plateaued, I think, in our walk with Jesus because we are missing authentic community. That We need love and community. And, and at Bay Vineyard, obviously, it's our Bay groups is our predominant way of expressing that. And this is a very countercultural thing to do because we live in this hyper-individualistic world. We live in the most individualistic time in history. Everyone wants to be different. Everyone wants to do it their own way. And again, we often like the idea of community, but the reality of it uh, can be more challenging than we'd like. And this spills often over to our devotional life, uh, that we resist being pointed to a particular way or discipline, even if it's been one that has been used by the church for centuries. We all want to do our own thing our own way. But ultimately, to be a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus is to learn the way of Jesus together, that we try things together, that we share this element of our lives with others, this devotional uh, this devotional life. And it often feels like putting on a new shoe for lots of us right now, or it's a J-curve scenario in terms of, being, of sharing this side of our lives. We're often not used to sharing uh, our spiritual life with others, but it's the most important element of our lives. It's the most battled over element of our lives. And community is central if we want to grow and find the life in Jesus as we abide in him more and more. The third thing that's going to require from us, the first is the clarity of goal, the second is community, the third within that community uh, is vulnerability. And uh, to be honest with others about where we're at and where we long to get more mature, where we long to grow deeper. Friendship and love are absolutely impossible without mutual vulnerability. And so that's our desire for Bay Vineyard, for us as a church, is that we would be a community of friendship and love where we would have mutual vulnerability, that in the context of community we would have people that know where we're at, people that are checking in with us, how's it going, cheering us on. And the reality is that if we want to do any of these things, if we want to be have a, a spiritual discipline, that's a goal that we want to cultivate, if we want to do that in the context of authentic community with vulnerability about where we're really at, the, the reality is that we're going to have to kill our pride to do that. We're going to have to embrace humility. Pride needs to be pruned. And pride says, I don't need this. Pride says that my current way of living is fine. Pride says I don't want to change or don't need to. Pride says that. 
Pride says that I can do this without others. Pride says it's too embarrassing to share this stuff with others. It's secret. It's meant to be private. Pride wants us to present strong. Pride says it takes too much time. It's the wrong season of my life. It won't work for me. It will take too long or whatever it may be. Uh, but ultimately, we want to embrace humility. And, uh, you know, I love that in the scripture, that the scriptures that it says, you know, that God's power is made perfect in weakness. It's in weakness. It says even as we share our weakness, that the power of God is manifest. And in, as we share our weakness with one another, we become brothers and sisters cheering each other on. When we're simply trying to present our strengths, all we view each other is as competitors. But so, so to, to enter fully into what God is inviting us into, Jesus says that we must become like little children, humble and teachable, lifelong learners. And I, I said this this morning, and if you're listening in, in this camp, if you're in the over 45 bracket of life, um, A, thank you for being part of Bay Vineyard. We really love you know the maturity you guys bring. But one of the things I just did, am desperate to encourage our over 45s, over 50s, and is that the best thing that you can do to help us as a church is to model humility, model teachability, model a willingness to try new practices. Even if you've been doing things for a long time a certain way, I would just love you to model and to live out the, uh, the humility that says I'm prepared to give some stuff a nudge. Uh, we, you know, us younger guys long to see the humility to try this stuff, to 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 do this, and so I'd really encourage you um, to not have a bar humbug attitude or I don't need this sort of stuff, but to actually really engage in this. A beautiful example of this for me was this week I caught up with Mike Wilson, who's the pastor of Puramai Baptist, and we had this really beautiful raw chat this week, and he gave permission for me to share this. Um, and he was saying, you know, as I was talking about the journey that we're on as a church, he said, you know, if I could go back and, and do things again, he would change how he lived his Jesus, his devotional life with Jesus. He says, you know, he was saying that as he reflects on his life, he's 67 now, that he says, you know, my life's been marked by passion and motivation, but very little discipline. And he just he wishes that he could have who could do it differently again. He he just yearned to encourage everyone to pursue the habits and disciplines that enable us to have a deeper devotional life with Jesus. You know, I think it's normal and, and okay in your twenties to have a prayer life where you pray randomly throughout the day. There's no real deeper structural discipline. But as you grow as a follower of Jesus, we need to learn to live like him more and more, to take on his practices, to imitate his ways as we seek to become a disciplined disciple. And so these uh, practices, these spiritual disciplines are absolutely key in this. And very little has been said about the spiritual disciplines. One, because they're massively countercultural in a, in a world full of digital addiction and hurry and anxiety and materialism. But secondly, we, we don't talk about these because we miss the why. And, and if we don't understand why we do these disciplines, it can descend into legalism, some guilt trip or absolute nonsense about trying to please God for some reason. The reason that we pursue these disciplines is because the fruit outweighs the cost in every way. An amazing book called Liturgy, Liturgy of the Ordinary that I'd highly recommend, uh, particularly for mums, but really for anyone. Um, this, the author Tish Warren says this, that the rituals and spiritual disciplines and habits that we're talking about form us as an alternative people marked by the love and new life of Jesus. But they are not what makes us the beloved. 
I just love that. They, these disciplines aren't what make us the beloved. That is simply a fact. We are absolutely love. But these habits simply allow us to intentionally rest in the merciful, deep love of God. And as we grow these habits, we form days with which our whole Christian life will look like, that we're shaped not by culture but by Jesus. And we're going to resist what culture says our priority should be, how it lives, we're going to ask Jesus to change all of our life. And so the main uh, tool that I want to point to today, which we're going to be looking at a whole lot, particularly when we do the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, uh, is, this emotion, is this devotion called the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day by Day. And um, over the last particularly 10 years where I've really been leaning into to growing the side of my life, my devotional life, this is by far my favorite tool. I, I absolutely adore this tool. Uh, I think it's one of the great spiritual disciplines. It's a great tool for us to use. And there's a couple of reasons why I think it's fantastic. And I'd love to encourage us as a, as a church to give this sort of thing a try. The first thing is because it's short. Uh, it's less than 10 minutes long. And I know that for, for I suspect many people as we've been looking at this this whole topic of growing a devotional life is that we've got in our head you've got to spend like an hour a day or something uh, having a quiet time. Uh, and therefore we've kind of got sometimes a mentality that we never say but it's probably subconsciously there that says if it's, if it's not an hour or doing this whole kind of early morning hour thing, uh, then the alternative is we do nothing at all. And uh, I, you know, that's a trap that we want to avoid. Uh, this tool is you can do it brilliantly. You're doing it properly, and it will take you less than ten minutes. On average, it can take about seven minutes. You can make it longer if you want, but but we all have seven minutes. Uh, and so I love this devotional tool because it's short, but it's very very effective. Uh, and the reason it's effective, and it's the second reason I absolutely adore this. Uh, tool is because it involves silence and ideally solitude but if uh, we can't find a, a place of solitude it involves silence and this is one of the the great spiritual disciplines that has brought probably in, in just incredible transformation to my own life as I've engaged with it uh, the interesting thing about silence at the moment is that within our culture certainly amongst uh, all the hippies and whatnot there's a big buzz on this idea of mindfulness and it's because in, there's this longing in the midst of everyone's busy worlds to have moments of stillness and silence and, and ideally solitude. It's this God-given longing. And the idea of mindfulness is just kind of, you know, uh, emptying ourselves of all the stuff that we're carrying and just being with, you know, us for a little bit just in stillness. The difference between what we are pursuing is not an emptying, but it's actually a filling with the presence of God as we lay down all the things that we're carrying in our hearts and minds. Uh, our internal and external worlds are filled with noise and distractions, and silence is this incredibly transforming practice that helps us to engage with God. And it, as silence is, in, is the space where the Holy Spirit I have experienced really speaks and, and fills me and comforts me and reveals how love I am. And in fact, I would say that the most intimate times with the Lord have been as I've cultivated this uh, practice of silence in my devotional life, where I stop talking, stop often just moving and charging the whole time, and just be with the Lord and sit in silence. And, uh, and I, as I sit in silence, I choose to enter into this awareness of God's presence and to rest there in His love. 
Henry Nouwen um, wrote a lot about the importance of silence and solitude. And he said this, in solitude, we can listen to the voice of him who spoke to us before we could speak a word, who healed us before we could make any gesture to help, who set us free long before we could free others, and who loved us long before we could give love to anyone. It is in the solitude and silence that we discover that being is more important than having and that we are worth more than the results of our efforts. It's a very, very healing practice just to sit silently with the Lord. The Bible talks a lot about engaging uh, with God in silence. It's interesting when uh, Elijah is um, is waiting to hear from the Lord after being exhausted and battling on Mount Carmel and uh, he's in this cave and then there's all these ways that we think God might speak with earthquakes and fires and all this stuff. And, and it says in 1 Kings 19 verse 12 that the Lord was not on the fire, but after the fire came a gentle whisper. And that's where the Lord spoke to Elijah. In Psalm 37 verse 7 it says to be still before the Lord and to wait patiently for him. In Psalm 46.10 that invites us to be still and to know that God is God. In Luke 5.16, we see that Jesus' ministry was marked by withdrawing to places of solitude and silence and being with uh, his heavenly Father. At every key moment in the life of Jesus, in between moments of incredible public power, there's these moments where we see Jesus withdraw with absolute like clockwork to silent and lonely places to pray. And it's in that place where he encounters God. And so this is a very, very, it's a countercultural thing to do. This practice, it can be difficult to initially engage with, as we've been talking through with some of the boys in the upper click group. Um, you know, they've moved from 15 seconds being a stretch to, to now being able to sit for the, the two minutes and maybe longer sometimes just with the Lord as they do these devotions. But it's a very, very powerful resistance. It's rebelling against the alert, the inbox, the wireless, the wireless networks, phones, all of that stuff. It's resisting that and uh, and reframing our lives to build it on the deep, beautiful life and devotional life with Jesus. And so um, so the daily office, which we're actually going to try as part of this talk, is, uh, is a seven-minute devotional. It starts with two minutes of silence. There's a short scripture, a short devotional reading, a short question to consider in light of that devotion, uh, a little prayer that you can pray, and then it finishes with another two minutes of silence. And as I said, it takes less than seven minutes. And we all, whether we're CEO of a company or have children coming out our ears, all of us can find seven, seven, uh, seven minutes, and it's, this is a deeply, deeply transformational habit. And so to close uh, this before we look at the homework for the week or the challenges for the week, um, we're just going to do a daily office together and uh, just to give it a try. And so if you're listening to this um, on the podcast, which obviously you are, um, just, yeah, wherever you are, I encourage you just to, um, to still yourself, and we're going to work our way through this uh, daily office uh, and so I just invite you, unless you're driving, to maybe close your eyes, um, to take some long, uh, deep, slow breaths and just still yourself, um, to maybe begin paying attention to your um, breathing, and to just to try and slow yourself down a bit so that you can really be present with God. And try and release the constant chatter in your mind. Let Just let every thought go as quickly as it comes and just focus on your breathing and stilling yourself before God. 
And can I just say, don't feel bad if your mind kind of goes crazy with different thoughts and feelings and memories and to-dos and distractions. It's okay. Uh, don't judge yourself. Don't feel bad. Don't Definitely don't give up or worry. Um, if you find yourself wandering away in your mind, just recenter with a little quick prayer off and just pray, you know, I'm loved by you or uh, thank you that you're my heavenly father or thank you that I'm now in your presence or a little prayer. And, uh, and just begin even now to notice God's presence all around you. Uh, I often like to imagine that, that God's just sitting next to me in a chair and just welcome his love and his joy and his peace from the Holy Spirit. So let's just spend two minutes of silence with the Lord. I've got a timer on my phone here so you don't have to worry about uh, taking time, but I will uh, count down the two minutes. And, and then I will give the rest of the, uh, the devotion. Scripture reading is from 1 Samuel 15, 22-23. Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. The devotion. Saul, the first king of Israel, did not know much about silence or listening to God. Like David, he was a gifted, anointed, and successful military and political leader. Yet unlike David, we never see him seeking to be with God. 
In this passage, Samuel the prophet reprimands Saul for doing many religious acts, i.e. burnt offerings and sacrifices, but not quietening himself enough enough to listen or to heed God, verse 22. Mother Teresa says we must all take the time to be silent and to contemplate, especially those who live in big cities like London and New York where everything moves so fast. I always begin my prayer in silence, for it is in the silence of the heart that God speaks. God is the friend of silence. We need to listen to God because it's not what we say, but what he says to us and through us that matters. Prayer feeds the soul. As blood is to the body, prayer is to the soul. And it brings you closer to God. It also gives you a clean and pure heart. A clean heart can see God, can speak to God, and can see the love of God in others. A question to consider. How could you make more room in your life for silence in order to listen to God? And the closing prayer. Unclutter my heart, O God, until I am quiet enough to hear you speak out of the silence. Help me in these few moments to stop, to listen, to wait, to be still, and to allow your presence to envelop me. In Jesus' name, Amen. And we'll conclude with two minutes of silence, just sitting in the presence of God. Well done. Well, you've uh, you've done this wonderful little devotional tool called uh, the Daily Office, and I have found it just life transforming as I've engaged with that 
the cumulative effect of doing that daily now for a number of years has just um, been one of the just most just richest journeys and it has just brought so much life to my devotional life. It's uh, it's my lunchtime routine now to do the, one of a daily office um, and as part of um, a three-part kind of morning lunch and dinner kind of routine, uh, evening routine, I have this as my lunchtime routine in terms of withdrawing to be with the Lord and I've just found it so helpful. And so if you are... Uh, Go to our website, you will see um, the sermon notes and the slides and links through to that devotional if you want to buy it on Kindle. If you're at Bay Vineyard, we're going to be buying this for absolutely everyone as we do the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course in Term 3. So um, hopefully you can wait till then. If not, feel free to buy your own copy uh, and give one to a friend down the track. Uh, here's the challenges for this week. Uh, the beginner challenge is to try the Emotionally Healthy uh, spirituality daily office or devotional. Uh, what I've done is I've recorded five of these and they're going to be posted onto our Facebook community page. All of them are under seven minutes long and uh, you can they'll be live from six o'clock every morning. And so you could uh, choose to dip your toe in the water on this habit and try it for a week and see how you go. Uh, so that is uh, the beginner challenge. The intermediate challenge for those that have some devotional times already ticking along is to bookmark your current devotional times with some silence sitting with Jesus. And I would encourage you to start with that time uh, with uh, with a, a length of time that is easily achieved. I think two minutes is a good starting block. And then add time to that as you feel comfortable and as you grow in your capacity to be still and silent and sit with the Lord. And the advanced challenge for those that uh, this has sparked some joy, hashtag Marie Kondo, where you feel like this is a discipline I feel like I really want to pursue. Then there's a three-week teaching series from Bridgetown Church, which is, again, just I'm enormously indebted too in terms of how they're shaping uh, my understanding about what it looks like to lead a church and they've got some amazing resources there so we've linked on our website to a three-week teaching series alongside a six-week uh, practice of growing this in your life that can be viewed as a pdf that can be viewed on our website that you could choose to roll out culminating in a retreat a silent retreat it's a very powerful uh, tool and uh, and i would just encourage you uh, to pursue this life in Jesus and to not be discouraged, to not give up, but to cheer each other on as we seek to grow in our devotional life with him. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this rather unusual podcast recorded in my office tonight. Uh, but I hope you found it helpful and uh, normal transmission shall resume next week. God bless.